Have you tried changing your health year on year, resolving that this year things are going to be different, but nothing seems to change? Oftentimes, when things are not changing, we are following many wellness myths and not looking at the full picture, including our nutrition, recovery, stress management, leaving out mind-body connection. I want to introduce you to Wellness Redefined, a new podcast from Refillion Media that's here to dispel all your myths about wellness and fitness while sharing stories of how we redefine what it means to be healthy. On each episode, we'll be talking to experts from all walks of life who will share their own unique wellness journey and offer their perspective. I am your host, Tamika Rochester, founder and CEO of Harlem Cycle, a premier wellness space in New York City with a focus on indoor cycling. I've been an advocate for wellness since as early as I can remember. So if this sounds like something that could help change your life, go ahead and pause the show you're listening to and subscribe to Wellness Redefined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our story today takes us back to El Paso, Texas in August of 2019. Patrick Crucius drives down the highway headed south towards El Paso, Texas. He's been driving for many hours, but he ventures on determined to reach his destination. In his car, a loaded AK-47 and a stockpile of bullets. In his phone, a four-page draft of his own personal manifesto, typed and waiting to be published. One push of a button and his words will be made public, posted anonymously, for all to see. And then, Crucius thinks to himself, then they'll understand, then they'll see what had to be done. To Crucius, America is going down a dangerous path. In fact, in his eyes, it's all rotting, rotting from the inside out. But Crucius intends to do something about it, and his solution? Cold-blooded violence. This is Invisible Hate. Welcome back to Invisible Hate. I'm Asad Bhatt. And I'm Sadia Khan. Invisible Hate is a weekly true crime podcast in which Sadia and I attempt to uncover the ugly truth behind various hate crimes, both recent and historical. Sadia, how are you doing? I am doing well, Asad. You and I already had a conversation about what happened last week. My husband was in a motorcycle accident. He is fine. He's better, but he has a fractured clavicle, broken ribs, broken thumb, a concussion, but he's in high spirits, which is incredible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, motorcycle accidents are no joke. Sadly, I meant to ask you, is he in a motorcycle gang? Does he have like a leather jacket and like all sorts of stuff? No, he he isn't. He has his gear, right? So he has this motorcycle jacket and pants and helmet and everything. And I'm so grateful for the gear because I think that's what saved him. Totally. But he's not in a motorcycle gang. No, he's not like a Pakistani Americans motorcycle club. Not that I know of. I said he may. I would <laughs> check with him. <laughs> well, I'm glad he's doing okay. And and Sadi, do you ride motorcycles? Are you are you a motorcyclist? I don't. Do you ride, I do you ride don't. bikes? I yeah, I do ride bikes, but I am very careful. I wear my gear. And to all the motorcyclists out there, stay safe. It is a dangerous, dangerous vehicle. And I don't know why people ride it, but yeah, they that's do. that's the thrill of it. People love it. Yeah, yeah. you're right. How was your week, Asad? 
Yeah, week was good. We went on our first little uh, road trip with our little baby girl. Um, we went to a couple nights away in Bend, Oregon, which is you know in the central part of the state. And that was you know pretty exciting to see how baby would do <laughs> on a car ride, as you can imagine. And yeah, we were listening to a new podcast from the guy that was formerly at Gimlet and Reply All. It was called Search Engine and really liked it. We listened to the first couple episodes. It's huh. about basically he takes one question that we all kind of have about the world and, and kind of tries to answer it, hence the name Search Engine. And so, you know, one of the episodes that we listened to that was pretty interesting is like, should you be drinking coffee on an airplane? The presumption being that the water isn't safe uh, on a plane. And so they kind of, you know, dissect, you know, where that came from and what it's all about. And then answer the question whether or not you should or should not drink co well, that's the coffee interesting. on a plane. Yeah. So I have one more podcast to listen to now, Asad. Thanks for the recommendation. But you're also going on another vacation. A lot of vacations for you, Asad. Yeah, we're trying to get it all in. Oh, we have a wedding. Yeah, in your neck of the woods. Um, we're leaving oh. tomorrow. So Isha is going to be on her second plane flight. And so, yeah, we're excited to do that. And yeah, we should meet up. Oh, we should absolutely meet up. Let's hang out. We can talk podcasts and yell at your husband for riding a motorcycle. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, Asad. So should we get started? Let's do it. So today we'll be digging deeper in a case we discussed last week. Let's get into it. Yeah, that's right, Sadia. In last week's episode, we discussed the El Paso Walmart shooting committed by 21-year-old Patrick Crucius. You'll remember, Sadia, that Crucius drives over 11 hours from Allen, Texas to the border city of El Paso for the sole purpose of killing people at a Walmart. He leaves 23 dead and 22 injured. When he surrenders to police, Crucius admits that he was targeting Mexicans in particular. And this past July, Crucius was sentenced to 90 consecutive life sentences in federal court for the crime. He is still awaiting his state trial, though, um, in which he may face the death penalty. And, you know, I think, Sadia, we can all agree that justice has been served. But, you know, I, I can't shake this feeling. I think we can't shake this feeling that we don't kind of have the whole picture. And I feel like that's the case in a lot of these crimes that we report on, that something is just kind of unsettled, right? Right. Like, like why, Sadi? Why did he do this? Like, what motivated him to, to do this? Why would someone do something this awful? And that is the question that we're going to try to, I don't know, answer today in this episode, kind of like, you know, report on his thoughts and his beliefs. That's a great point, Asad. So where do we start? Yeah, so Sadia, as you may have gathered from our introduction, there is an additional layer to this case that makes it particularly interesting. Just minutes before carrying out the attack on the El Paso Walmart, Crucius released a four-page manifesto on the anonymous message board called 8chan. And this message board is often used for hate speech, white supremacy, nationalism, and to encourage violence. And so Crucius posted on there, uh, you know, this four-page document that was called The Inconvenient Truth. And the manifesto essentially lays out how and why, you know, Crucius made the attack. He not only explains the kind of many reasons why he believes such an attack is necessary, but even tells readers what type of gun and which bullets he plans on using. I said this is so bizarre to me. And what's interesting is that he really thinks it is the truth. Yeah. What I he's agree. telling, what he is sharing is the truth. That to me is more alarming than anything else. Yeah, I, I feel like that's going to be a 
common refrain from you as we go through this is just like that response of like it's crazy right and so yeah I completely agree and as you said that the message board was anonymous so how do we know that it was crucius who posted this yeah that's a great question sadia so given the manifesto was released about 20 minutes or so before the shooting and basically kind of like outlined the impending attack the connection between the two was made pretty quickly and actually according to the department of justice crucius also later admitted to having written and released the manifesto so that kind of confirmed everybody's suspicions Yeah that makes a lot of sense. So what does the manifesto say Asad? Yeah, I mean there's a lot to get into. So first, you know, it begins by stating his support for that Christchurch shooting. You know, if you remember Sadia that happened in New Zealand in March of 2019 when a gunman attacked two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand, targeting Muslims specifically and 51 people were killed. You know, that was a huge international story for weeks if not months. Shooting attacks on two mosques in the New Zealand city of Christchurch. 49 people are known to have died as they were gathering for Friday prayers. I wonder if he was in pain and what his final thoughts were. I want to speak specifically about the firearms used in this terrorist act. He was sentenced to life in prison. I can tell you one thing right now. I order that you serve the sentences without parole. Our gun laws will change. So Crucius basically draws inspiration from that shooter. Yeah, unfortunately it seems like he does. Like Crucius seems particularly inspired by the Christchurch shooter's own manifesto entitled The Great Replacement, in quotes. That manifesto was 74 pages long and promotes what is known as the great replacement theory some of you might have heard of this it's made its way throughout the news you know cycles over the last couple of years this is a theory originally created by french writer renald camus and it's basically this really dangerous white supremacist conspiracy theory according to the global project against hate and extremism the theory essentially claims that white people are being replaced by immigrants muslims and other people of color in their so-called quote unquote home countries the conspiracy often blames the quote elite for orchestrating and encouraging these shifting demographics and according to Tim Squirrel who is the head of communications and editorial at the Institute for Strategic Dialogue this theory really took off in the 2010s here is squirrel in an interview he did with the vice series decade of hate If you look at the kind of surge in popularity of great replacement theory, it's really in the 2010s and it's really really important to localize that to fringe internet culture where these same ideas can gather speed, gather velocity and gather popularity and then spread from there to more mainstream spaces. So Crucius uses this theory as the foundation for his own manifesto. He explains that his own attack is a response to the quote Hispanic invasion of Texas. In other words, he believes that Texas is being taken over by Hispanic migrants and he intends to do something about it. Asit, it's so sad and it's such an unfortunate and extreme way of thinking and we see this viewpoint pretty much used by far right extremists in their extreme political ideology right they yeah. are bringing this really dangerous point of view into mainstream discourse which is incredibly scary but i do want to go back to what you said in terms of the 
theory, the great replacement theory, which basically states that white people are being replaced by immigrants, Muslims and other people of color. The irony is that there is so much intersectionality between racial identity and other parts of your identity. Immigrants are also white. They can be white. Muslims can be white. So yeah. this to me is so ill-informed in addition to being so scary. Yeah. Has this come up, I guess, in Immigrantly, your other podcast? Not the theory itself. We do have conversations around how people's perception about immigrants, Muslims, and other identities are so one-dimensional, but we haven't really delved into the theory. You know what? At some point, we may just do that. Why not? Yeah, it's a good idea. So, Sade, getting back to the story, as a whole, Crucius seems to believe that America is in decline. He quite literally says the country is, quote, rotting from the inside out, and that, quote, peaceful means to stop this seem to be nearly impossible. So much of his concern seems to surround the Great Replacement Theory and his perception of the growing population of immigrants. And so he goes so far as to provide several arguments as to why these people pose a, quote, threat to the country. Wow, Asad. So let's talk about these, because I'm pretty sure most of these arguments are just absurd. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, they're pretty crazy. Yeah. And let's break down, you know, some of them. So his first central argument is entitled, quote, political reasons. In this section, he essentially argues that the growing Hispanic population in the United States is sure to give the Democratic Party a substantial upper hand over the Republicans. You know, this is based on the idea that Hispanic voters as a whole often tend to lean towards the Democratic Party. And, you know, while Crucius believes that political leaders on both sides of the aisle are failing the American people, he is particularly disturbed by the prospect of a Democratic takeover. He writes, and this is a quote, America will soon become a one-state party. The Democrat Party will own America, and they know it. They intend to use open borders, free health care for illegals, citizenship, and more to enact a political coup by importing and then legalizing millions of new voters. He even writes more, and he says Hispanics will take control of the local and state government of his, quote, beloved Texas. Can you kind of believe this argument, Sadia? No, I said not at all. This sounds so, so absurd. Of course, he makes it sound as if there is some secretive upper level coup being planned, right? I have a lot of thoughts and I don't have numbers or statistics, but I am not sure if Hispanic voters vote predominantly Democratic for the Democratic Party. I don't think that's true. They are not a monolith, right? Yeah, like every group of people, they some vote Democrat, some vote Republican, and that changes depending on, you know, your own beliefs, where you are in the country and all sorts of things. Exactly. So what else does Crucius write, Asad? Yeah, Sadia, there's all sorts of stuff, including economic reasons, and we'll get into that right after this short break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Invisible Hate. So, Asit, talk to me about economic reasons that Crucius cites. Yeah, so Sadi, he goes on to list in his manifesto kind of these, quote, economic reasons. And many of them are kind of these typical arguments, the ones that we've 
already heard a million times before. In short, Crucius believes that immigrants reduce the number of job opportunities for other Americans. He's particularly worried about the impact that continued immigration will have on the issue of automation. He seems to believe that automation will eliminate, quote, unskilled jobs and push immigrants into the skilled labor markets, increasing competition. He writes that the source of competition for skilled labor from immigrants and visa holders around the world has made a very difficult situation even worse for natives as they compete in the skilled job market. And, you know, he's just angry, Sadia. Like, it's just like he's he's fearful of these other people kind of coming in and taking over jobs that he thinks that he deserves. You know, he's angry that increased competition has in turn increased the expectations of those in the job market. And he also kind of complains that the price of college, you know, right now a bachelor's degree is what's recommended to be competitive in the job market and the cost of college degrees has exploded as the value has plummeted, end quote. And so just, you know, all these ridiculous, clearly things that are false. I said it's ironic how he uses natives <laughs> yeah. as if most groups of Americans within this country weren't at some point immigrants themselves. Right. It's so bizarre to me. And this kid seems to be a jaded 21-year-old who is incredibly angry with economic conditions and, and has decided to take these frustrations out on an innocent group of hardworking Americans, as has always been the case. Right. It really saddens me to think that this is how he was or is looking at the world. So now it is clear to you and I that he is not a fan of Hispanic immigrants. But there is a big difference between disliking someone and launching a mass casualty attack. How does he reach that point, I Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And this is kind of where it gets really bad. Not that it isn't bad, you know, before Sadia. And so at the end of his economic rant, Crucius takes a bit of an odd turn into the discussion of the decimation of the environment and our depleting resources. But, you know, what does that have to do with Hispanic Americans, right? Well, Crucis' logic is pretty warped. He says, and I quote, I just want to say that I love the people of this country, but goddamn, most of y'all are too stubborn to change your lifestyle. So the next logical step is to decrease the number of people in America using resources. If we can get rid of enough people, then our way of life can become more sustainable, end quote. Oh my God, I said, is he saying what I think he's saying? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, he is. He basically believes that we need to get rid of a portion of the population. And the portion that he plans on removing is the Hispanic American population. This is just so crazy, Asad. I keep using these terms, but it's just so annoying. And it makes my, I don't know how to describe my feelings right now, but I'm guessing he doesn't plan on politely asking people to leave by the way why should he ask anybody to yeah, leave right. it's he, like, yeah he has no right to do that right. he has no fucking right to do any of this um as i said he probably comes from ancestry of immigrants and this just makes me so angry that he thinks he is in a position to dictate who should live 
or who shouldn't and who should live in the United States and who shouldn't. This is just such BS. Yeah, just dripping with privilege, right? And uh, Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, sadly, his plans are far more violent. Sadia, he writes that, quote, even if other non-immigrant targets uh, would have a greater impact, I can't bring myself to kill my fellow Americans, end quote. What the fuck? And so, yeah, basically. He calls them fellow Americans, so immigrants aren't Americans? Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-mm. Exactly. So he plans on killing Hispanic individuals in order to decrease the population. And for that, you know, that in his mind will solve the climate issue or whatever, right? So he believes that if he can provide Hispanic immigrants with the, quote, right incentive to leave, then they will return to their home countries. So what he's trying to say is the incentive is this act of violence that he's carrying out against Hispanic immigrants, which will propel them to leave exactly. the U.S.? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. He calls these act of violence patriotic, Sadia. Wow. Wow. It's just so atrocious, Asad, and so scary to see someone attempt to justify like he is really trying to justify this evil act of violence and is trying to rationalize it somehow yeah but but you know what i said what's even more scary is that there are a lot of people out there who may agree with what he's saying for sure you know and, and and i think you know we've we talk a lot about this, you know, there's rhetoric that people have and then the rhetoric that leads to action and violence. I don't know. It's just, it's so crazy to me that someone can make that jump to violence, right? Sadly, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. And I mean, this is part of why we're doing this to really understand like what's going on in the minds of these people, right? Right. I can't believe what I'm saying, but it's about to get worse. Crucius then admits, essentially admits, to having chosen this particular target because it was an easy and vulnerable target. He basically called it low-hanging fruit. So, like, basically, you know, he would be able to get in without a lot of security issues and take out a lot of people really easily. Um, And so to refer to a group as, you know, low-hanging fruit, just kind of like, it's wicked sickening. Honestly, at this point, I am at loss for words. So is that it then? Is that the entire manifesto (laughs) that he had? He got a lot in in four pages for sure. Unfortunately, he leaves us with one final kind of nugget of wisdom. I'm saying that jokingly. At the end of the manifesto, he takes a stance against race mixing. He argues that interracial unions... And race mixing, quote, destroy genetic diversity and create identity problems, end quote. But, you know, no fear. He has a plan because, you know, he knows what to do. He says that the best solution is to divide America into a bunch of different confederacies of territories with one territory for each race at least. And so, yeah, basically his plan to solve all the problems is segregation. Wow. This just seems so messed up and it's almost difficult to listen to, digest. I said, I am just lost at this point. I don't know what to say anymore. Like, I don't have words. Uh, You know, Sally, that is a lot to digest for sure. And, um, you know, I think that helps us kind of get some context into his mind when he launched into his attack. I think let's take a quick short break. And then when we get back, we'll come back to our primary discussion as to whether or not this should be considered a hate crime. This is Invisible Hate.
Welcome back to Invisible Heat. So I said, should the El Paso Walmart shooting be considered a hate crime? I mean, <laughs> this is probably as <laughs> easy a case as we're ever going to have, right? I think the combination of the manifesto and his uh, um, actions that day and the fact that he murdered so many people so quickly, I think it's like pretty, pretty clear that this was and should be, you know, considered a hate crime. How do you feel about it? Absolutely, Asad. And we know this, that upon being apprehended, he admitted to police that he had driven to the border city with the intention, and I want to underline the intention of targeting and harming Mexicans and Mexican-Americans. So again, actual perceived identity, right? And most of us know that El Paso is over 80% Hispanic and its location on the border means that many Mexican tourists and nationals cross into El Paso frequently. So he was very intentional about picking this specific place. And then obviously, Asad, you've talked about his stupid manifesto, The Inconvenient Truth, which really seals the deal, right? He makes his racist, xenophobic, anti-immigrant views pretty clear to us. But Asad, there's one caveat here. Do you want to share that? Yeah, I think the complicating factor is, you know, his mental state. And so, you know, his defense attorney told reporters that Crucius is not racist, but rather suffers from a history of severe mental illness. And so, you know, we talk about this all the time. I think you say it more eloquently, like there are plenty of people that have severe mental illness and don't carry out these types of crimes, right? right. And so, so is this just another kind of excuse and, and whatnot? I, I think for me, Sadia... I think clearly this is a hate crime, and I hope that Crucius gets the help that you know he needs to to fix his if he has you know mental illness. But I I do think the right move is for him to be in prison for a very very long time, right? And I think the other big question for me is like how do we find these people earlier to get them the intervention they need if they are suffering from mental illness, and even if they're not, and they have these kind of you know really. Uh, horrible, racist, xenophobic views, like how do we get people the support that they need to not have those views that could lead to really horrible actions? Harmful consequences. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. So Asad, where is Crucius today? Yeah, so Crucius is currently serving his 90 consecutive life sentences in prison where he will likely spend the rest of his days. And as I mentioned before, he's awaiting his state trial where he may as well face the death penalty. For that state case, he has pleaded not guilty, but given his admission of guilt in the federal case, it's hard to see this ending for him really well. We'll just have to kind of wait and see and we'll update people um, as we get more information. As for the survivors of the shooting and the families and friends of the victims lost, they continue to grieve as they attempt to recover from the damage that Crucius has done and the pain that he has inflicted on them. And so we can only hope that the survivors and the families and the friends of the victims uh, alike are able to move on past this horrible tragedy and lead happy and healthy lives. Absolutely, Asad. And unfortunately, this is just one of the several targeted mass casualty terrorist attacks that have happened across the globe in recent years. And we do want to share a few. In 2018, the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania was attacked. The shooter sought to target Hayas, a Jewish agency that works to help and resettle refugees. 11 people were killed. 
In 2020, a gunman attacked two shisha bars in Germany merely because immigrants often frequented these bars. Wow, I never heard of that one. Yeah, nine people were killed. Unfortunately, the list doesn't end there. Mass casualty attacks, as said, as we know, continue to plague us to this day, and yeah. we can only, only hope that we as people may change the hearts and minds of hateful people who intend on carrying out these types of attacks, as said. And you and I are trying to do that through invisible hate, yeah, right? Agreed. So, as said, tell me, what can people do to help? So there's a lot that you can do to help support the survivors and those impacted by the Walmart shooting. You can donate to the nonprofit organization One Fund El Paso. We'll have links in the show notes. There's also a fund that has been set up for those children that lost a parent in this shooting, and we'll have a link to that in our show notes as well. And then, of course, um, the big nonprofit national organization called Every Town for Gun Safety. Um, that's another place that you can go and support. Thanks again for listening to Invisible Hate. If you want to learn more, please check out the links in the show notes about this case. Also, please email us your thoughts on this story or any other story that you think we should cover. You can reach us at info at invisiblehate.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. And I don't think we're on threads just yet, but we'll get there soon. Um, just search for Invisible Hate Podcast. You're right, Asad. Thanks again for listening. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend, a family member. Give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Invisible Hate is a joint production of Refillion Media and Immigrantly. We would like to thank our team, which includes Michaela Strather, Emmanuel Monahan, and Paroma Chakravarti. Our music was done by Simon Hutchinson. We'll be back next week with another hate crime for us to analyze. Until next time, I'm Sadia Khan. And I'm Asad Bhatt.